0: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
2: HIV is still an issue in Montgomery County. The more open we're able to talk about HIV, we treat it like any other health prevention.
1: PREP stands for pre-exposure prophylaxis. People who are not HIV positive who may be at high risk for contracting the disease. This is a good choice for you. It's just a way for you to sort of take control and say, I'm going to do this to protect myself. Do it for them. Do it for you, Montgomery County.
0: Learn more about PrEP, the HIV prevention medication. Visit doitforyoumc.org. Hey, everyone. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out... One hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK.
3: Hello and welcome to the Five Yard Dynasty podcast with me, Rich Hooling. Um Back today, I've got uh, with me a special guest, one of my favourite, um, shall we say Under the Radar, follows on Twitter, uh, and that's Liam, or you may know him as at Fancy Ad one So Liam, how are you doing?
2: Not bad, thank you, Rich. How are you?
3: Yeah, not too bad. It was my first day back at work from paternity leave. So it was, uh, yeah, been a busy day, but uh, but nice nice fun to get back into the office. So I can't complain. Um, so the idea for today's pod, so what uh, I've tasked Liam with is um, what we're going to do is basically look at some of our favourite players that weren't discussed in the pre- positional previews we did earlier in the off-season. So looking again purely at those those rookies ahead of the uh, the. NFL draft in a couple of weeks. And what we've got is uh, both of us have got three picks um, of guys that probably you know should be on your radar, should be fancy relevant, um, and then we've each got a, a deeper pick that uh, that probably is a little under the radar drafted in. Certainly in my case, um, but we'll we'll see how it goes. So, Liam, as you're the guest, I will let you go first. Who's your who's your first um, player that we? mentioned in the previous
2: so and my first guy is Amari Rogers from Clemson so he's a wide receiver and if you follow myself or at FF uh, Dynasty Grill on Twitter you'll see us um, hyping each other up about him because he's one of our uh, one of our guys so in rookie drafts, you'll probably be looking uh, around the third round, so probably mid to late third round for him at the moment. So he's 5'9", 5'9", 5'10", somewhere in that range, um, and around £211. But his tape is absolutely phenomenal. I absolutely love all of the tape that I watched on him. and um, He he doesn't blow anything out of the water with, um, athletic traits. Um, he's not going to be your typical top percentile wide receiver, but he is absolutely blowing everything out of the water for me on tape. And um, he does lack a bit of contested catchability, but he does absolutely make up with it for, with his, uh, agility and his play speed while playing. And, um, yeah, that that I can't talk about him enough. I think if uh, you let me have a whole pod on him, I'd be able to... <laughs> I'm
3: I'm I'm really and this was you know I'm, I'm very excited to bring you on to talk about My Rogers because I know you love him. Um, I'll be honest, I'm I'm really I really don't see it. Um, I think that he's he's good. Um, I don't think he's great. You know, this is a guy that only broke out. Age twenty, he had arguably one of the you know the greatest college quarterbacks ever throwing in the ball in a you know a, a decent high performing offense. And he didn't break a thousand yards till his senior season. He is a late declare, which I normally try and avoid. I, I hear you saying. I think yeah, he you know he he's got good speed. He he tracks the ball well on the deep ball. I think he's average contested catchability, but for me. I just don't think see him as a separator. I think he I think he's a below average route runner. And that's my real concern because I think at the next level, I don't think he's got the size or the ability to play outside. I think he is going to be a purely slot at the next level. And I for me, I worry that if he's going to be pigeonholed into that slot role, not he's not able to get open consistently. I think I've got him wide receiver 16 for me um he's he's a bit higher for you is he
2: yes so for me he's wide receiver 12 I'm in mock drafts that I'm doing at the moment I'm probably taking him early third okay and so I, I agree with you that he is a he is one of the more undersized guys in the class Um and His route running, again, I agree that it could be a lot better, and I do think that he'll be able to improve on that at the next level. Um, If he does succeed at the next level, it will be because his separating ability does improve. Um, I do think that is one of the biggest things that um, holds him back. back. But, um, as I said, I fell in love with his tape all the way through. I just... Even when watching Cornell Powell's tape, um, I was drawn to what he was doing a lot more than actually watching Cornell Powell, who's the okay. other wide receiver on Clemson. So, um, yes, again, Cornell Powell's probably looking at a, another third, maybe fourth round guy in your rookie mocks. But um, yeah,
3: okay. Well, I think yeah, as I said, I think I can I can see the appeal. Um, I guess we'll uh, we'll have to wait and see a, a couple of years, see who who was right on that one. Um, so my first guy, so this is a guy that I've been high on since uh, since probably last year. I think he had a, a phenomenal junior year, um, and that's Kylin Hill. Um, he is my running back eight. I think he is probably the the guy outside. I'd say the top five or six that I think could really break out and be a you know a, a true Kind of fantasy producer. I think if he gets the right scheme and and the right usage, I think he could easily be a true three down back at the next level. I think he's got fantastic instincts. I think if he could, you could find him in a zone blocking scheme similar to, and I feel like I say this for literally every running back, but something like a Carl Shanahan scheme, you know, whether he could be a land in New York or something like that, or even in San Francisco. Um, I think he could be a really good three-down weapon. I think he's good. You know, he's he's not incredible in the receiving game, but I think he's solid. Um, my concern is that he he doesn't get north south and he doesn't set up his blocks correctly. I think sometimes he's he's sort of dilly dallys a little bit, almost a bit like a sort of a Lev Bell, but isn't good enough at. You know, what made Lev Bell so incredible was that he would be patient behind the line of scrimmage, but it was because he was setting up his blocks. And I think that Colin Hill is patient, but isn't good at setting up his blocks, which is just a, you know, a, a pretty large error, shall we say. But what, what do you think, Colin Hill?
2: I have him similar to you. I think he's around my RB9. So, um, again, I I see the same thing as you, Um He's not overly twitchy or quick, however you want to go about saying that. But when you're watching him, he doesn't break away immediately and shoot out of the cannon when he comes out of a break. But he's he does seem to when he gets going, he seems to go. And I think that's the one thing for me that I see on him if he does get to the next level and his blocking scheme is set up correctly. Mm he can really thrive in, like you said, a, ha- a Shanahan offence. Um, but at the same time, it seems to be every RB gets uh, gets cont to a <laughs> Shanahan offence. and Partic- Particularly by that, me. So. <laughs> so. You, I,
3: I think that he's, he's going to be one that I'm intrigued to see what the NFL think because I think I could easily see him as a day two pick and I could easily see him being fantasy relevant as soon as this year. But if he is a day three pick, if the NFL are telling us that they don't think he's, you know, got good enough um, kind of ability to set up his blocks, doesn't have that top end speed, as you say, I could easily, you know, see him dropping down my rankings and and sort of no part of him um, come come draft day uh, in most of my leagues. Um, So back to you, Liam. So where are we going for your your second pick?
2: So I'm going to stay on the, a white receiver train here and i'm going to go with nico collins out of uh, michigan so nico and um, he he has that top end size so he's got six he's six four 215 pounds um, doesn't sound like much until you know that he ran an unofficial 445 at his <laughs> pro day and um, And that takes his speed score on uh, player profiler quite close to that top end, what you want to see. Um, And for a big guy, I have just been in love with what I've seen on tape, trying to get that. Um, So he's... Route running, sorry. Uh, so his route running is absolutely immense for a big guy. He is more of a downfield receiver. Um, a, he does excel on go routes, but from what I've seen, his contest ability is one of the best that I've watched in this class. He does seem to just come down with every contested catch that I've seen. Um, so... The thing that I put on him is not not necessarily against him, but his quarterback play and the O-line play that he had meant that a lot of balls weren't getting to him either accurately or just at all because the quarterback was trying to scramble or um, the blockers just weren't giving the quarterback enough time to look at these deep roots and he was having to go short on a lot. Um, which is where the his yardage. So in college, he had just over 600 yards in eight 2018, um, and then just over 700 in 2019, and then didn't, he opted out in 2020. So even though um, he hasn't got that the statistical yardage, I still like what I'm, what I've seen on tape, and I think he will absolutely get. Um, a big bump in what we see from him in the next level because he'll have that top end um, O line to sit next, uh, like sit with, and he'll be able to get open on his routes further down the field with a good quarterback, hopefully um, throwing him those deep balls.
3: Yeah, and and do you? So for me, I think I've I've spoken about it a few times in that. I try to avoid those what I'd classify as kind of deep threat options. You know, tradition. Someone like a Deshaun Jackson, or more recently, someone like a Will Fuller, or something like that. Where yes, they can absolutely win you a week, and they tack, they catch two, three passes, and it's you know 150 yards and two touchdowns, and it looks incredible. And come the end of the season, they've got a really nice stat line. But it's going so basis. I I just don't tend to like. Owning and rostering those guys, and and that's what I I kind of foresee Collins being. Do you think that
2: he's just going to be pigeonholed at that next level, more than that, or? Um, I hope that he's not, and I hope that his root tree does expand. Um, beyond those deeper roots um, in college you didn't see him run those they were more like just the pure go roots and deep crosses but from what I hope in the NFL is a team will take him on and he might not be a year one starter it might be year two year three a deep stash and then he might just develop and bring out those shorter routes and become one of the top end receivers. And when I say top end, I don't mean top 12 because from a third round pick, you, the likelihood of you getting a top <sighs> end receiver is pretty slim. But um, I just mean more fantasy relevant along rather than being that boom bust player, as you said. Yeah. Um,
3: I think th- the thing for me that separates him from a, a pure deep threat um, is I think he walks into the NFL as a, an above average red zone weapon. I think he, he, as you said, he's got fantastic size, but he also uses it well. I think he can box out in the red zone. I think he showed good opportunity and, and good tape in terms of going up and getting the ball in those, you know, short, short area, um, of the field. And I think that if. A team's going to bring him in almost as a, you know, a, a purely red zone weapon from day one. And they can hopefully, as you say, develop that route, develop him into a more all rounded receiver. Um, I think it's, you know, for me, the, the range of possible outcomes on him is, is pretty vast. I think chances are he, he's probably nothing more than maybe a, a competent special team that is a, a team's fourth or fifth receiver. But if you're going to take a punt at this point in the draft,
2: why, why not? Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. He, he, I mean, we're talking about sleepers. So when when you're trying to determine a sleeper, it's more about the upside than the floor. And uh, that's exactly what you said is he could be anything from a special teamer out of the league from after his rookie contract to he could be fantasy relevant. And that's what we're trying to look for in the third round. So I think the the thing to add to what you said about the red zone um capabilities that he'll have is his catch radius is so big when you watch his tape that he's twisting around and he's making catches that you don't think a big guy like him will actually make and that that is another thing that I really found on tape that I liked
3: yeah yeah absolutely absolutely as you said I think you're hitting that on the head there with these are these are sleepers at the end of the day we've both got him I think as our wide receiver 17 um, we're, we're not expecting him to come in and be a stud. We're not expecting him to be, let's be honest, fantasy relevant. It's more of a, he's got the upside to potentially be that. Um, so moving on to my next guy. So I, again, on, on that trend, this is a guy that I'll be honest. I'm not quite sure what he is. We didn't see a huge amount of him in college. Um, he was, he's pretty limited in terms of his rushing attempts, but he is an absolute weapon in terms of his size, so I'm intrigued to see could he come in and and be a a stud at the next level, and and that's Ramondre Stevenson. Um, So, as I said, I I think that this is a guy that's not a complete all-round back. I think he is pretty poor in the receiving game. Yes, he caught a decent number of balls, but I think most of those were swing and, and screen passes. But also, this is a guy that only had 165 attempts in college. So, you know, if if he couldn't get the workload in Oklahoma, yes, there were some issues and and some reasons why. But is he going to translate to the NFL? But for me, if I can get a guy that's six foot two forty six that moves the way he does, um, I think he it's it, as you said, it's it's worth a punt in the you know the third or fourth round of of those rookie drafts. What do you think?
2: Yeah, so um, with Ramondre Stevenson, he he possesses the the size that you want. I would like him to be a tad taller than he is, but that split in hairs at the, the the level we're talking about, as, as we both said just. And um, but f- for me, I haven't seen enough on tape and I'm I'm talking a lot about tape at the moment because I haven't completely finished my, um, analytical model. So, um, just looking at some bare analytics, nothing is jumping off the board at me, but from what I've seen on tape, it's, he, he can be, as you said, he can have such a wide variety of outcomes in the NFL that it's worth that punt. Um, and I think that's where we're going with all of these. Is that they're all likely to be third or fourth round rookie um, picks um, in at least our fantasy rookie drafts. And the big thing for me, especially with the two running backs that you've chosen, are, is going to be the draft capital and the landing spot. Because if they're drafted to somewhere such as Green Bay um, or... Somewhere along the lines of the Giants, then you're kind of buried on the depth chart there. I mean, the, the Giants only have Saquon, but still, that's Saquon, one of the top running backs in the the league at the moment. So they've also got you've got
3: they've they've talking up Devontae Booker as a three down back. So uh, so yeah, don't don't forget him. The, the Giants have got this. Is, it's a split backfield with Devontae <laughs> Booker. Let's not forget.
2: <laughs> let's not forget that um, he might be getting on with a uh, John Gruden there. Yeah, I know absolutely, John Gruden like Booker a lot. And um, so, yeah, yeah I, I, th- I think that's where I land with Stevenson. he's uh, absolutely he's just one of those dark throws.
3: Absolutely, and I, and, you know, I'm I'm looking at him. He's he's not produced. Let's be honest, he's not produced at the college level. He's he's not got a fantastic profile. He's not got incredible college profile and in terms of the film basis. I think I've I've thrown this dart essentially on the fact that he could potentially be a, a, a big body that I could see translating to the NFL. I, I wouldn't be shocked if you know someone like a, a Miami decided to opt out of, of going at the position early. You know, we saw them bring in Jordan Howard obviously last year as that goal line short down short yardage back. I wouldn't be shocked if they decided they were gonna roll with Miles Gaskin, maybe throw a six round pick at someone like a Ramondre Stevenson and and that's your short short yardage banger. And I just I guess I'm saying I think he's gonna be a competent goal line back. Could he potentially grow into more than that? I think it's worth the punt at the point he's kind of going if that makes sense. So your your next pick, Liam So...
2: When you sent me the list of players that you'd already covered, um, I was extremely surprised that you hadn't covered Trace Thurman yet, and that's who I'm going to go with. So his, his tape, um, I found, was quite good. Um, I'm not saying it's top end, but again, it, it was quality from what I saw. Um, he never really had that. Um, production that you wanted in college so uh, he never topped over a thousand yards um, but from what I saw he, he had good agility and um, he could get um, sideways a lot quicker than um, some of the other guys in this class and I think you just beat in the, uh, the same drug when you say that the and um, the running back class this year is not as good as what we've seen, especially when we got spoiled last year with the likes of Dobbins, Acres, <laughs> Swift, JT and and no. CEH. So you're
3: not expecting another eight or nine competent running backs out of this class then.
2: <laughs> so when you've got spoiled with a class like that, you kind of forget how some other classes have being. So just take, for example, 19, you had... Um David Montgomery, Josh Jacobs, and Miles I can't Sanders. think of another one out of that class, really. Miles,
3: Miles Sanders,
2: Miles Sanders as well. Yeah, so my my mind obviously went blank there. I don't have enough Miles Sanders <laughs> uh, shares. But um, apart from those top three, I whether my mind's going blank, I don't know. But um, you can't really name anyone else that came out of that class and really wowed anyone. And I think that's what this class is really going to be, is you're going to get a couple of guys here or there that might be fantasy relevant, but it's going to be more of a, a top-end or top-heavy um, running back class. So um, that that's that's where I'm really going with running backs, and especially with the positional premium that people put on running backs. Um, I think that it's just worth having that punt on a third or fourth round running back. And if they do produce in the first um, f- first few years, then that's brilliant. Um, Sermon, I have seen um, rising up boards into the mid-second. Um, so I think that I'd probably want him a bit lower down than that, maybe late second, early third. Um, but that's still... Um, not a bad price to pay in this type of type of class. Yeah.
3: I think that, you know, you you, you raised an interesting point in terms of, yeah, we were sport last year. I think from a, um, I heard Pete Howard talking about this and I know he's obviously done a lot of work in terms of sort of hit rates per class. Traditionally, you're talking about four running backs that will produce a top 24 season at some point in their career. And we've potentially, as you said, got eight or nine last year. I, I could easily see four from this class, who they'll be, I don't know, Um, you know, but I think when I probably omitted Trey Sermon from our our kind of our rookie previews, he has since sort of, as you said, risen up. And I think that if he is a guy that could easily be, I could easily see being the fourth running back off the board in the NFL draft, maybe, maybe the fifth, um, that could bump him up certainly in in my sort of rankings. Um, I think that this is a guy that produced really well down the stretch for Ohio State against some very good competition. And let's be honest, you know, you joked about John Gruden. He apparently, by the way he's drafted, only watches the college college playoffs and Trey Sermon produced there. So obviously uh, we can pencil him into the Raiders. But I just think that he is, you know, good, solid. I just don't know for me if he is ever great at anything. I don't think he is you know his receiving usage, both at Oklahoma and Ohio State, was below average. I think that he is lacks that kind of top end speed, and I just don't know if he's ever going to be a anything more than I guess sort of a, a volume based RB two at the next level. If he's starting to sneak up, you said into that rounds. That's too rich for me, if I'm being honest. I'd much rather take a, you know, a Kenneth Gamewell or someone like that. But if I can get him in the third, the point at which, to be honest, in the third round, I'm basically only going to take running backs. So I'm quite happy taking a punt on someone like Trey Sermon. So my, uh, my final kind of player is someone that's, I think, been talked about quite a bit over the last couple of weeks. So obviously we had the, uh, the issue with, with his date of birth. Um, which I think in statistical models changed quite a lot. Certainly for me, it did. Um, and that's Seth Williams. Um, really interesting profile. He is an absolute, you know, freak in terms of being a, a jump ball receiver. I think he's fantastic at going up and getting it. I think he has got some really good kind of leaping ability and, and pulls incredible catches. But actually, when you look at it from a contested catch standpoint, he's pretty awful. So in college, he had 30 contested targets and he only came down with nine of them. Um, you know, we always talk about 50-50 balls. And of them, that's, that's not ideal. Um, I think that he is a very good route runner, but I don't know if he is a great route runner. Um, he obviously had some some pretty awful quarterback play at Auburn over the last few years. Um, I think that this is the guy that I'm, I'm probably most unsure about in terms of my wide receiver tiers and rankings. I think he could easily be the one, the sort of the diamond in the rough that comes in and is, you know, a, a stud fancy producer for the next five or eight years and, and sort of is unheralded as a, you know, a second or third round pick, but he could equally come in and, and just be a bit of a meh player. And, you know, that wide receiver three, wide receiver four, who, who shows the odd flash, but, is never going to be able to be consistent enough to to produce your fantasy thing. Um, but I'm I'm really having a a difficult time kind of getting a, a firm grasp on where I'm sort of placing him. What about
2: yourself? So yeah, so I'm very much in the same camp as you at the moment. I the only reason I didn't put him in here as a sleeper was one I couldn't get. A good grips on where I wanted to put him in my rankings I've currently got him at 15 uh, wide receiver 15 but with that range I've been moving that range around quite a bit Um, and that seems to be quite fluid so anywhere between the 14 to the 18 range um, with guys like Nico Collins that we spoke about earlier and I've been trying to figure out where I want to put them and they just seem to be a lot much like a lot of the same uh, question marks Um, so with Seth himself um, as you said I do think that he needs to improve on his route running but at least it's it is the route running Um, he does have good speed um, he didn't run overly fast on his pro day at 449 but that's still a decent speed for what you want from a uh, from a wide receiver and he does need to improve on those contested catches and um, the the only thing that i have is with the date of birth changing and all the analytical models changing and stuff i don't know how much that has impacted your your rankings for example but
3: He's yeah, you know, so that he's, was
2: one of the reasons why I didn't put him in here. Was there was so much talk about him that he's I don't think he's much of a sleeper anymore,
3: yeah. So, he to be honest, he, he didn't move at all for me in my model. He he moved within the tier, um, but he he didn't move tiers as such. He didn't the date of birth change didn't change enough to, to bump him up a whole tier. Um, I think for me. My kind of biggest concern from a film point watching him is that I think considering he is, you know, 6'3", 210 pounds, he is a bigger receiver. As soon as he had a physical corner, as soon as a corner could get hands on him, couldn't get open. And I think that that for me is a massive concern at the next level. If he was, a you know, a 5'9", 180 pounds, someone like a larger Moore, where you're like, okay, he's smaller in frame, taller in stature, he's going to have to be schemed open, he'll struggle versus, but that's fine. But Elijah Moore's going to be quick enough and sharp enough that he can get open quickly. Seth Williams isn't that. Seth Williams isn't super quick, he isn't super fast, he isn't good in that sort of short area of quickness, yet he struggles against physical corners. So I don't know quite what he is. So basically the reason I've thrown him out in as as my sleeper is that I am so confused on Seth Williams. I, he, as I said, he could be an absolute stud. He could be a nothing. Um, but if he's there in a third, fourth round, yeah, I'm probably going to go running back. As I've said at that point, but why not? Someone, someone's going to come out of nowhere in this class and be a really good guy.
2: So, yeah. So I, uh, I, I completely agree with you on that. the 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 thing that worries me the most with Seth Williams is as you said, he doesn't have that um, that elite separation um, or route running to get him open. But then, as you said, his contest catchability is not there either. And I think that's going to really hinder him in carving out a role in a next level offence because he's not, unlike someone along the lines of Nico Collins, where we said earlier that at least he'll be able to be used in the red zone because of his contested catch ability. That's where I struggle with Seth Williams to find that, that um, where he's going to slot in essentially what, what is his role going to be in any offense?
3: Yeah, absolutely. So your, your final pick, Liam, so your super deep sleeper. So who've you gone for here?
2: So I know that you've been speaking about running backs um, in the later round, so you're going to be pleased with this one. Um, this one is more of a fourth round rookie pick. Um, I've seen him go undrafted in a couple of four round uh, rookie mocks, so he might be even dra- like dropping out of that range. Um, and that's Elijah Moore and Elijah Mitchell, sorry. Um, <laughs> I was going
3: to say, Elijah Moore get in the fourth round and have a heart attack.
2: Uh, with sleeper adp you're probably getting him around <laughs> <as well. laughs> so um elijah mitchell and um, he he has good contact balance when i when i've been watching him on tape i've enjoyed seeing him take some hits and be able to stand up and um, i do think he's more of a poor man's Javante Williams or even to a lesser extent Kenny Gainwell um, who again I'm sure if you follow me or have seen anything from my Twitter it'll probably either be Amari Rogers or Kenny Gainwell um, he, so Elijah Mitchell he, he's got some good size to the speed that he possesses yes you would prefer more um, but that's probably about It with him. Um, He didn't really face much competition, but on the same side of that, he didn't have much around him. So that's where I struggle with him. Although he didn't face the competition, he still didn't have much around him. Um, But the thing that he did have was a a very good O-line that created... Some good, uh, some good holes, and so the scheme was very fitting for him. We'll put it that way. So, yeah, I um, think,
3: it, I think for me, he's you know he's prototypical size, he's prototypical speed, he has got great production. I think he looks really good from a film standpoint. I just don't know quite what to make of him. Obviously, he he didn't play much versus Power Five schools. He had a very good offensive line. And I just I don't know if he is really good. He could be fantastic. Um, and we could have a you know a small school darling. Or I don't know if he only produced because he was going up against weaker defenses and had a good offensive line and you know I could seven hundred yards in that offense kind of thing. It's I'm I'm intrigued to see what the make of him, certainly. He's easily someone that if he gets some good draft capital would probably fly out my boards because if the NFL teams are saying he's good enough for them from what they've seen um, then I'm I'm all in because as I said from a size speed technical standpoint I think he's really good.
2: Yeah I, I'm totally with you on that um, and I think that goes for anyone that we bring up on this pod and, and any sleepers that you look at is we're, we're talking pre-draft at the moment so we have no idea where they've landed what round they've gone in. And I know Peter Howard and a couple of others have done a lot of data and a lot of research into draft capital and how that affects hit rates. And I do know that Peter Howard isn't the biggest on hit rates down on a down. So hit rates on round, sorry, but still it's still something good to have a look at.
3: Yeah. Yeah, I think that for me, you know, day, day one, day two draft capital for a running back means a lot. And to be honest, if there's any guys that again, you know, day one or day two draft capital that are falling into that second or third round drafts, then I'm absolutely all over them. Because I think that that's, for me, the, the best buying opportunities in your rookie draft. Because the NFL are saying, gee, these guys are good enough to come in and be a starter. Yet, yeah. in rookie drafts, you're, they're sort of falling out of and they're not good enough so i think that for me i'd i'd always listen or says over uh over what any analyst says um so my deep sleeper so this is a guy that's that's pretty deep shall we say um so it's actually my wide receiver 22 um so this is isaiah mccoy uh so look he is you know from a, a performance from a stats from a size speed standpoint he is the dream he broke out age 19 He is 6'3", 200 pounds. He's got fantastic route running ability. I think that he had, you know, yards per team pass attempt, was up almost three, comes in from day one and can be a Z receiver. Um, But he did it in the MAC. You know, he's coming from Kent State. Is he a good NFL player? Is he NFL fast? Is he NFL level route runner or is he just... Mac level we good you know and I think that I'm really intrigued by him because he's got as I said he's got fantastic size he's got fantastic speed he's got a really good statistical profile um, so I'm very intrigued to see if he can produce at the next level and, and let's be honest he's probably going undrafted in most normal leagues um, I know he's done an awful lot more rookie drafts rookie mock drafts than I have um, but what do you think of Isaiah McCoy?
2: Yeah, so the so for Isaiah, I think he's one of the biggest lottery picks that you you can probably take at the end of the fourth. Um, I don't think I've seen him taken in any of the rookie mock drafts that I've done. Um, so that that's how you know that you're going for a proper deep sleeper there.
3: Um, and I think let's let's be honest, if as I said, at this point in draft I'm normally going running back, but I'm not expecting him to be anything. I'm not expecting him to probably ever be make it to an NFL roster. I think he's probably going to be undrafted and, and we're never gonna hear anything of him. But I am I'm very intrigued to hear what the NFL think of him in a couple of weeks.
2: Yeah, I I'm totally with you on that. Um I did have to he so currently he's not on my list for um, for tape breakdown, so I did have to go away and get some get some extra tape on him <laughs> um, just before this this uh, pod started. So, um, from from what I saw, it wasn't anything eye popping. Um, as you said, he wasn't in one of the top schools that you kind of look at and that you want, but it, he still didn't do badly. But as you said, he's just one of those polarizing prospects that he could go completely the way he could go completely undrafted, or a team could absolutely just fall in love with him and take him. I'd probably say around the fifth round at tops, but we'll probably see where how that goes. And with the rest of this uh, class, with it being a a deeper receiver class, he could slip completely out of the draft, as you said.
3: Yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be shocked if he goes undrafted, but I also wouldn't be shocked if he's a guy that we're seeing articles written about by beat reporters of this guy's having a great camp. Where did he come from? That kind of thing. Um, that's that's kind of my my opinion there. So <clears throat> that kind of concludes the Pod Lim. So thank you so much for coming on. It's been absolutely fantastic. Time's absolutely flown. So for the guys that are listening, um, where can everybody find you? Where can everybody find your work?
2: so um if you're on twitter you can find me on at fantasy sport ad one um and i currently write over at king fantasy sports so that's at k fantasy underscore sports um i had to take a bit of a hiatus from writing for the first quarter of this year uh just through personal reasons so um, now that I'm back, I'm working on the draft kit that we've uh, released for pre-order at the moment. Um, I, we've got an offer on that it's 5 99 until the end of May. Um, so that is going to include stuff like draft profiles that me and a couple of other writers are taking a look at. Um, draft strategies are going to be auction stuff for the new sleeper update when auctions finally drop, which is going to be amazing. Um, and the best part about it is it's not going to be a straight PDF, give us your money and you're just going to take this away. We're going to be updating this all the way through the uh, off season. So it will be including stuff like redraft um, data and ADPs, etc. cetera. So um, feel free to check out the website. And if you do feel like that's what, where you want to go, um, obviously take a look at that.
3: Yeah, well, thank you very much. And as I said at the beginning of the, uh, the pod, guys, Liam's one of my favourite kind of under the radar um, follows on Twitter. So by all means, go and give him a follow. I think he's doing some fantastic stuff, um, and certainly deserves a, a bigger audience for for his work. Um, before we go, guys, I just wanted to mention. So I am going to be starting a series of um, startup dynasty leagues. They're not going to be kind of official list leagues. It's more just I do it every year. I'll probably have five or six startups um so they will be starting to fill around the sort of may time i've had a couple of people message me already if you are interested if you just drop me a dm um on twitter let me know that you're interested and i'll i'll start getting those filled as soon as possible and but again thank you very much for coming on liam it's been fantastic to have you um and keep listening guys and we'll see you again next week